Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris and I am so glad you've joined me for another week talking about everything related to what it is like to, uh, what do we do? We acquire, operate and grow e-commerce companies. Um, and uh, at 4x400 where I have the privilege and the pleasure of being the CEO. Today on the show, I'm going to tell you about our highest revenue day in 4x400 history. I'm going to tell you exactly how we got there, exactly how we did it, and exactly how you can do the same. Yeah, you can do the same. Create your highest revenue day ever. So that's my absolute 100% locked in promise of what you get from this show. Guaranteed highest revenue day ever. How's that? Uh, I think probably the marketing people who put this out will be happy that I said that. All right, let's jump in. Enough, enough of this. Let's jump in. All right, so uh, today on the show, I have a guest, and uh, we're going to actually have a couple back-to-back uh, episodes with guests. Uh, we do these occasionally, basically as needed. Today, the guest you've heard before, his name is Dave Recook. Dave, say hello to the people. Hello, hello. Dave is uh, still technically the VP of new brands at 4i400, but uh, really is sort of helping leading marketing across all of our brands. At some point, let's change your title. Um, but uh, but uh, Dave, um, Dave and I, uh, Dave's on the show because for, let me just give you the context here, for Bamboo Earth, our skincare brand, um, we just hit this last week on Friday, the, what was the date on Friday? Uh, yeah, the sixth. Yeah. yeah, okay. Friday the sixth, we hit our highest revenue day in Cora 400 history. Like I said at the top of the show, um, that number, uh, because we always show this sort of thing, was just over one hundred thirty-three thousand um, dollars. It's the first ever six-figure day for one of our brands, and we felt really, really excited about that. The previous high had been the launch of our Kickstarter uh, that we did for Modern Fuel for our new Bolt Action Pen, which is also the last time you heard Dave on the show uh, was to talk through. Uh, I think it was last time Dave was on, was to talk through that moment with um, that Kickstarter and sort of how we did that. So I guess, Dave, we bring you on for the really big, really good moments. And I don't know who I bring on. I think next week's guest actually will be on in part for a lower moment, but that's all right. Um, anyway, so uh, what I want to do is just talk about kind of where that is, just to give you some context for $133,000 relative to our business in the month of July, we did just under 400000 uh, actually, we did not. We did about three fifty. So, um, so it's a massive, massive day relative to where we have been for a little while. Uh, what we have discovered for Bamboo Earth over time is that there is um, significant seasonality in skincare. This is something we knew, but I think we didn't really realize how pronounced. Um, didn't realize how pronounced it was, and so um, that has created all kinds of issues for us related to inventory planning and cash planning and those sorts of things that come with running early stage businesses, forecasting them is incredibly hard. Um, and therefore, uh, we were behind our revenue, behind our numbers, under our cash numbers that we had forecasted. And um, and so that was part of the genesis of this sale. And that's just one of the things to tell you upfront is that um, that's part of sometimes the reason to run an offer is because um, if you are not a massively funded company or whatever, um, sometimes you need to grab cash. And so the challenge in front of us was how do we um, uh, turn a bunch of inventory that was going to last us for a long time, uh, longer than we had hoped originally, into a bunch of cash in the most effective way possible without damaging the brand by having some crazy blowout mega sale. So that was the prompt. Um, having talked with Amber, our founder, about that and played with a couple of things before, 
what we decided to do was approach this with a gift with purchase offer. So um, Dave, you actually weren't, I think, the originator of that idea necessarily, but um, I think it's still helpful to hear you talk a little bit about sort of how you were thinking about um, at the baseline, why we ran a gift with purchase offer and uh, that versus this pure discount and sort of what the what that basic offer structure is good for and what that made you aim at. So that's a really broad question, but start talking about the offer. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you got it. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I definitely started bringing up gift with purchase and pushing gift with purchase in general with you, uh, whether it was about this one day sale or not. Um, but a couple of the things that I like about gift with purchase versus either what I call a merchandise sale where you mark specific products down or a site-wide sale where you mark the whole site down. Um, as a as a kind of a broad generalization here, discount customers typically have lower LTVs. Um, so we know that if we're going to pull in pull in customers and we're going to um, acquire them on the acquiring side, not just on the retention side, um, they're probably going to have a lower LTV over the long term because the kind of people that you pull in with a twenty percent offer, thirty percent offer, um, are lower quality customers, so to speak, in terms of LTV long term. The other side of this is on the retention side. So you're going to run a percentage discount. What you just did to those customers, to repeat customers, is compromise your pricing power in the future. Um, and saying, hey, you know, usually we charge this, but for this special circumstance, we're going to knock down 20%, 30%, and uh, like you said, have a have a blowout sale. So it becomes, now, could we have done that one time and gotten away with it? I'm sure that we can. There are great brands that run sales um, and they're able to command good price points you know, in the future. Uh, but I think it was me, you and Taylor were having a conversation and as Taylor put it, it's not this sale, it's the next one and the next one and the next one. And it's that addiction of, okay, we need, we need the revenue, we go after the sale, we go after the sale. And then all of a sudden you just can't hold your real MSRP. You know, you, you just, you compromise that ability. So I liked the idea around uh, a gift with purchase being brand friendly in that sense, meaning we maintain pricing power in the future. So none of the dollar signs next to products have changed. Um, and then the other thing we knew about LTV is uh, we've done some analysis with the Statless tool and our best LTV product is the custom mini kit because we put a variety of product in our customer's hands. So we know as another generalization, if we're able to put product in your hands for, for a Bamboo customer, you're likely to come back and repeat. Yeah, multiple products, right? So, and, and what our data shows is that basically it doesn't really matter which kit you buy as long as you buy a kit. That some kits seem to show higher LCV than others, but that, that changes relative to the sample size pretty fast. Like it, it doesn't hold as like one kit is always the highest thing. And if it does, it's probably it's got the most products on it. So, um, so essentially the, the, as I've talked about on here before, what we've discovered is that if you get five or six products in your hands or the more products you get in your hands in general, the more likely it is you find something you absolutely love. And the more likely it is therefore that you come back and buy something more in the future. So, um, so that was a huge part of the motivation here versus doing a discount where it's like, if you do a straight discount, then people are just going to maybe buy the one or two products they like, but if you do a gift with purchase by definition that you can be pushing people to be adding multiple products, um, to it, did I leave it? Do we, do we miss anything else there on the, the big picture? The mar I think there's margin was another element of this. Did you talk about that? There yet? Definitely was another element. I, and 
the other thing is cash flow wise. Um, so if we're we're just saying that hey, one of the reasons why we're running this is a cash flow consideration. Um, we have plenty of product that's sitting there, and we want to think about how we can best turn that into revenue. Uh, so so cash coming in the door. So if we've got plenty of product, so it's it's obviously has a cost to it, but it's quote unquote free from a cash flow perspective, right? Like we're not, sh no money is going out the door to pay for these additional gift with purchases. It's it's sitting on our shelf right now. Um, so from a cash flow perspective, a 20% off discount, you've got to give that to them. You've got to take that 20%, You that's 20% less revenue that you pull in the door. However, if you're giving them a gift with purchase and it's already sitting on your shelf from a cash flow perspective, there is no additional cost. So the revenue coming in, it has no additional costs associated with it. So it's a sort of a cash maximizing deal um, as far as that is concerned. Um, and then next thing you said was margin, Andrew? Well, yeah, I know that was another element of sort of how we thought about gift with purchase relative to a sale and that's connected to the cash flow thing. But um, yeah, I mean, talk about how that factors in when you stack products into one uh, into one order versus just discounting a product. Yeah, that's right. So, so in general, again, another kind of broad generalization is adding an additional item to an order does not add nearly as much incremental cost as adding another order. So one, somebody in the fulfillment center. Now, in if you were talking about a 3PL, you typically have like a per order fee and then you have a per item fee after that. So maybe you were charged like three bucks to pick the order and then like another 30 cents, 40 cents for each additional item. So if we were talking about a 3PL, there'd be that sort of pick and pack efficiency of a second item. Yeah, essentially the second product is much cheaper to put in a box than the first product. <clears throat> and there's a reason why they start. So, so for us, we're not fulfilling this via 3PL, but there's a reason why a 3PL has that kind of clear pricing structure is because that roughly mimics the amount of work necessary to pick, pack and ship an order. Um, and then the other side of this is uh, shipment. So typically, again, to get something, anything from point A to point B has a certain cost to it. But to get a little bit more from point A to point B typically does not have nearly as much incremental cost. Now, in our case, these are relatively, these are decently uh, weighted products. So we probably are adding some cost, unlike some of our other brands like Modern Fuel. You're throwing a, another pen in there that weighs like one to two ounces. It literally doesn't matter. It doesn't affect shipping at all. Um, so there is some incremental cost with shipping, but again, it's still more efficient to add item two, three, four, five than it is to add a brand new order. Yeah. So now you've got a say, uh, an offer built right where you've got um, theoretically better LTV, better uh, margin. Um, and in the midst of that too, because you're building the offer off of the MS, like the sort of the original retail value of the product, better perceived value to the customer. And that's another element of this that's crucial. So the way we structured this offer was we took one of our most popular products that we know people love. It's our intense hydration cactus concentrate. It's also a high LTV product. Um, we know that people buy it and they love it. They have a great experience with it. Um, and it's one of the only products that we um, sort of easily sell in two variants, a mini and a full size. We, we actually have those for, for other products as well. But anyway, um, so the mini size of this product is $28. The full size is $160. We have excellent margins on it, like in a lot of skincare uh, products. So, um, so we structured the offer as um, at $50 
uh, cart size, we'll give you a free mini cactus concentrate. So $28 value to you off of $50. Um, and then off $50 of, of, of full price product. And then uh, if you go to $200 worth of product, then we'll give you a full size cactus concentrate, um, which is $160. So um, the perceived value to the customer at that point is really, really tremendous. It's a really, really good deal. It's almost, I mean, what is that? 40% off or something at a full size, uh, at a full size offer and uh, like 33 or 35% off um, at a mini. Now you still have to be careful here to protect your margins and think in advance um, about, so, so it is good for perceived value, but you could do this wrong. You could build an offer like this and then you could imagine customers sort of like buying the wrong set of products and then getting a free thing on top and end up being really costly because for example, they buy a bunch of low margin products and then get another one for free that's high margin. And it's like, ugh, like you didn't actually win that much in that case. Um, so uh, Dave, what? just tell people about what you built in order to make sure that that didn't happen here. Yeah. So um, in Google Sheets, I, I did a, a basically like a quick, um, I built a, a way to simulate orders. So I looked at the site and said, okay, on average, how many how many units are people putting, how many unique products are people putting in a given order? Uh, what does our AOV look like, et cetera? Um, then I listed out all of our products and uh, and I had the, 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 the cost of goods sold, I had the weight um, and the retail value so that I could basically just quickly have a thousand rows in Google Sheets that once I figured out the formulas one time, it would just use a random number generator to put somewhere between one and five products in their in their order, calculate the order and calculate the margin. Um, and then I made it so that I could play with the gift with purchase thresholds and say, okay, you know, how about $50? How about $30, $75? Um, so the first thing I wanted to do before setting the thresholds for, uh, at this point, I already knew we were probably looking at a mini and a full size. But the first thing I wanted to do before I set those thresholds is make sure that I couldn't set a threshold that put us in a bad spot from a margin perspective. Um, for as much as we're doing this from a cash flow perspective, we still want the offer to make sense on a P&L um, and not screw ourselves a couple months from now when we uh, gave away the farm, so to speak. Um, so it, it's actually, it's the, the name of a simulation like that is called a Monte Carlo simulation, if you want to Google it. Um, and it's just basically like, hey, we have enough products that there's too many permutations to just model out. So instead, go use random numbers and brute force <laughs> generate a thousand, two thousand orders, and just see how it shakes out. Yeah, and and so there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could kind of go about this. The simpler your skew set, the simpler your skew set. Obviously, the the easier this is to go figure out how to do. But the basic idea, and I think it's just something that's important to keep straight, right, is that um, we live in a world of averages uh, and um, and everybody is thinking all the time about things like average order value and conversion rate, which is an average and, um, and, you know, margin, which is as an average and LTV is an average, but actually, uh, as a friend of mine, or as a, somebody I know from a, um, sort of a stat, uh, stat software company said averages are evil. Um, averages hide all kinds of information and in all kinds of context all the time. So when you take the average, like AOV famously, for example, actually like represents, really, really different sets of orders because um, the $5 order goes into the same giant bucket at the end of the day as the $5,000 order. And, um, you know, as long as it's direct to customer and not a wholesale, like different category or whatever. So even if most people are ordering 
$500 worth of stuff or $200 worth of stuff or whatever, there are, the actual composition of your orders varies quite a bit. And, um, and so that's why actually one of the, one of the like simple takeaways there is to think about your free shipping threshold, for example. If you just do it off your average order value, then it's possible that you're going to run into some trouble because um, the average might not reflect the, the actual median order. Um, and, and what I mean by that is like, it might be that like the vast majority of your orders are $45 orders, um, but your average order value, because you get some outlier big orders is $65 um, or $60 or whatever. Well, you shouldn't put your, um, you shouldn't put your free shipping threshold at $70 uh, off a $65 AOV there to try to bump people up because actually most of your orders are 50. So if that makes sense. So, so you're just trying to think about buckets, sets, groups of orders, and, and you see clumps here. Well, so the point of that simulation is to say what kind of clumps are happening. And what we discovered when Dave did that work was actually pretty much with every order, this is one of the reasons there's so many skincare businesses. Um, it's really high margin. It's really, really good. And it was going to be very hard for us to have an offer here where um, by giving away that product, we really hurt our margin tremendously. Um, and, and so it became a really, really good order. So now you've got an offer that has thought about uh, sort of um, brand equity. It's thought about cash flow. It's thought of, um, it's, uh, we've considered um, uh, uh, inventory on hand. Uh, which is you know connected to cash flow directly. Uh, we we happen to have a lot of inventory of different stuff. Uh, customer experience with the product that we included, margin, uh, LTV. I might have mentioned already, but um, all of these elements of it, um, and and started to think all the way through this entire thing as we construct the offer. There are two other elements that we kind of put into this offer, um, and so uh, at least that I can think of, Dave, and you can add anything else that we need to. But um, one of them is AOV. Um, so we, we knew that we were going to be structuring this in a way that you, by building the full size at the higher tier, we could theoretically drive AOV. Um, and the other one, just so I don't forget it, um, that we were considering here was urgency. So let's come back to urgency in a second. Um, just don't let me forget that Dave. Uh, and then, uh, but talk about how the AOV worked out relative to what you had hoped. Uh, cause I know you had been thinking ahead of time, kind of about this question of how many people would get the mini versus the full size and, and whether or not the gap between a $50 order and a $200 order for, for upgrading the gift was going to be too high. Yeah. Uh, good question. So, um, if, if, it, how it worked out, um, it, we destroyed the ratio that I gave to Rob, our head of ops. <laughs> so I said, Hey Rob, uh, here's what I think we're going to do. We're going to give away 400 minis and hundred full size, uh, worst case, meaning like best scenario, which would be us hitting a hundred thousand dollars in revenue. Um, since my imagination is limited, uh, and I couldn't imagine going up to $130,000, uh, was we're going to do, uh, 800, uh, minis and 200 full size. Um, and I'll pull up the real count in just a sec, but I want to say it was like 400 plus of the full size. So as far as it succeeding, it succeeded really, really, really well and blew away uh, the ratios that we had planned there and pushed AOV up quite a bit. Um, but uh, how probably, we probably the, probably the actual best indicator of whether or not a sale goes well is whether or not you pissed off your ops person or your fulfillment person. That's right. Like as long if as long as you do that, it's typically the case that something went great. I mean, if that's the if that's the litmus test for if I'm doing great, I think I'm like literally daily doing fantastic work, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think there's a that's, that's, that's fair. Yeah. It's a certain it. kind of pissing off your ops person. That's the or your supply chain fulfillment. Fortunately, person. he's happy to do it. Uh, you know, even though we're making his life very difficult. Um, but yeah, so so how we arrived there um, and created those thresholds. So as you mentioned, you know, like I always. Yeah, um, 
Taylor mentions this on Twitter. He says there's, you know, there's no one best uh, measure of central ten- tendency. Uh, however, using one is the worst. I think I just butchered the quote, but you get the idea. Use picking median, mean, mode, whatever. Uh, using only one is the worst. So what I like doing is just I honestly typically don't even look at the mean. Uh, or I don't even calculate like a mode. Um, what I typically do is I look at the distribution and and graphing it is actually very helpful. So again, I like Google Sheets. I like Excel. Um, I pulled last 30 days of orders or so. I don't go back much further than that because um, we're constantly testing offers, free free shipping thresholds, et cetera. So I don't want to pull a year's worth of data that had different incentives. Um, we're getting enough data that a 30-day window is good enough um, from a um, size of the data set perspective. And I would rather it be on our more current uh, sort of pricing policies and, and offer structure. Um, so I pulled that data within the last um, month or so and look at order count broken down by $10 segments. So zero to $10, 10 to $20, 20 to 30, and so on, all the way up to 500. Um, And then I graph it out in a bar chart. And I noticed we basically had three peaks and they kind of all had semi-logical explanations to them. Um, The first peak was at 50 to $60, which if you complete our skin quiz and, and look for our custom mini kit, they're almost all right in that range, especially um, after shipping. So they're in that 50 to $60 range. The next peak was 70 to $80, which our free shipping threshold is at $75. Again, it makes sense that there's a lot of people that are finding a way to land right after $75 and, and get their get their free shipping um, and do that somewhat strategically. And then the third peak was around 90 to $100, which um, I forget the explanation now. I believe it's... Um, uh, something like a custom mini kit plus an item puts you right in that range, uh, plus a full size item uh, will commonly put you in that range, uh, which is a common scenario for us. So those are the three different thresholds that I considered for this. Um, there was not much between 100 and 200, so I was definitely most nervous about setting the upper threshold for the full size and saying where exactly am I going to do this. Um, so I did. We did run an offer similar to this last year that we went back. Again, I pulled the analysis on it. And what I wanted to look at was, I did the same thing, break down by $10 segments. And I wanted to say, okay, for this day that we ran this, what percentage of customers took, you know, the quote unquote take rate of the small, the mini, and then what was the take rate of the large? Um, You know, are we influencing enough customers from a count perspective to do the most damage we can with this sale. Um, and that one, I believe, had a $100 threshold and a 250 threshold. So they, they it definitely had a higher threshold than what we ran. Um, so again, knowing that we were safe on margins and that we could take the lower threshold and drag that down to 50 was a big deal because it really, really drove a lot of attention to the sale. $50 is not a high threshold for Bamboo Earth customers. Uh, what is the normal AOV, Andrew? Like seventy bucks, something in there. Right? Uh, it's like eighty-five. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, shows shows how much I care about the mean. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, but like averages are averages are evil, right? Like, I mean, what it actually is for a new customer off a skin quiz kit versus you know a returning customer who just buys IHCC. If people are buying I, that that cactus product full size at one hundred sixty dollars, so that just think about it, that's a really popular product. One hundred sixty dollars. That's going right, to throw off right. your average. 
Right. Yeah. So so we we pulled down that lower offer to the fifty dollar price point. In in a large part of that was looking at those two peaks and saying, on the lower end of this, I'm going to use the early portion to attract lots of people via email and to drive a high volume of orders. So that fifty dollar threshold is super super achievable. And then on the other side, so like that's on the the repeat revenue side. On the other side, on the new customer or acquisition side, if we're driving lots of orders in that $50 to $60 range and that's our customer acquisition, then throwing an offer at a $50 threshold is going to do great things for our conversion rate. So that was the other side of the saying like, hey, can we juice conversion rate for the day as well? Not just drive a whole bunch of recurring revenue, which we kind of knew we could do, but Let's experiment with this and see if we can juice conversion rate and if this is something we want to play with down the line in the future. So I did drag that that low threshold down to $50. Again, knowing you were clear on margin was really key. Um, and then on the other side, at the higher end of the threshold, um, at the 250 uh, price point uh, or threshold when we ran this last year, we only had an 11% or 12% take rate on it. So uh, 12% of the orders for the day made it above $200. Um, so I thought at that low of a take rate, we were really going to have a difficult time pushing serious revenue numbers. Cause the real, um, cause even though I, I, I graphed those, uh, the order count that 90 to hundred segment is really what drove a huge portion of our orders over the last, last 30 days. You know, it's difficult to make that up with $50 orders. So I pulled the the threshold down to 200. I did flirt with the idea of bringing it down to 150. But again, remember that the the price of the product, or even 175, the price of the product is 160 dollars. So I really thought that going anything below 200 dollars for a threshold, when you would have ordinarily spent 160 out of pocket for the product would have been potentially almost insulting to the people that spend 160 for the product, right? Like to say, oh, well, at 150, you can now get that product for completely free. Well, then like the value, the value premise of this product is clearly built on nothing. You know, this is, this is all um, smoke and mirrors at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you hear the thoughtfulness on all those elements of it. And, um, and the reason that matters is because like, um, the effect of that ended up being that you were able to move these customers into much higher tiers than sort of you otherwise might have. And that drove AOV big time. So um, the AOV for the day was $136. The same day the previous week was at 104, which is actually a really high AOV. I don't, I want actually makes me wonder what happened that previous day. And we must've sent an email that drove some high, high AOV traffic or something. But anyway, um, so, you know, AOV went way up and again, that has margin advantage and, you know, cash advantage and, and all kinds of other things. As the as the conversion rate, we converted just under fifteen percent of our traffic for the day, which is just ridiculous. So um, now, part of that is also because we did that on six thousand dollars in total ad spend, or like sixty five hundred or something, um, really close. And I would actually say, in some ways, what this is going to sound like a win, but I think it's kind of a loss. Um, so um, uh, let me come back to the urgency component real fast. Um, we ran it for one day. And this is another reason this worked. There's no question about it. We we told people ahead of time, we're going to run this for one day. Here's what the offer is. We are fine with that. Um, I actually want to talk about the, e the whole email and SMS approach more um, in a minute, um, but about how we did that. But it was based on the urgency of doing it for just one day. And, um, and, uh, and the reason I say that is because 
there's no question that by running it for just one day only, um, we ended up um, hitting a really, really big number and juiced our conversion rate against the AOV big time. Like I, I think if you would have extended it for longer, your AOV probably would have ended up in a similar place. The question that would have been interesting would be sort of like, what, how much more conversion rate do you get by really building in? This is your only chance. Um, further, we don't do big offers very often. We've done a couple of other little things. We did 20% off some sort of secondary products and yeah, it was a pretty low take rate. Um, and that was, that was a simple kind of move some inventory, some slower moving stuff deal. Didn't want to do a huge discount, um, et cetera. We did an offer specifically with Klarna where, um, you know, we, we used just for really new customer acquisition. Um, there's the thing that they were doing at the same time as we were doing it and that worked pretty well, but we really don't do an offer this good. I mean, almost ever. And we haven't done anything like this since black Friday. So when you do it for one day only and customers know that you're not doing it all the time, what it creates is urgency when you do do it. And I, I don't think we'll do something like this again, probably until Black Friday. Um, and, and so you end up with this really, really good, really big moment where you really ramp the conversion rate to go along with the AOV that went way up. And that product will last people a long time. They will like it for a long time and they'll be really, really happy about it. So um, the urgency, I think, is a huge component of what made this work and certainly what made it a really good single day, which is um, kind of baked in here. I've actually watched some people start to move the other way, which is they, in an attempt to grab a lot of revenue, they extend the sale out longer. We've actually made this mistake in a couple of different places. And I think it's been counterproductive. Um, there's all kinds of things you tell yourself about why that will work. Um, you know, gives people more time to get the deal, for example. And, and, and so you've got more days to collect more total revenue. And the other thing you tell yourself, you can send more emails, all those kinds of things. The other thing you tell yourself is, over some time, you can lock in your best performing ads and then scale it with advertising, um, which might be true in some cases, but I've just rarely seen that matter as much because then the ads all have the same problem, which is that they they don't really give people a, a reason to buy right now. It just doesn't, even if you're relatively new to it, it just doesn't look that good. Further, my experience is sales um, or offers in general, particularly like something like this, where it's on one particular product, um, they rely a little bit on... Um, baseline customer um, brand affinity that already exists. Um, telling somebody that they're going to get 20% off something when they don't know what that thing is or a free gift when they don't know what that thing is means that there's a much higher barrier to entry. So even for our new customer revenue on this, I mean, just think about that. Not only at that point, do you have to communicate what the product is, but you have to communicate what the product is, what in this case, gift with purchase, what the second product is um, that they're, they're going to be uh, adding to get this thing that they should be excited about a gift for. Um, they also have, to, you have to have to communicate at that point um, that it's urgent. The person doesn't know that you rarely run sales if they're, if they're like net new to the brand completely. Um, so, so they have no idea if this is like really a good offer relative to what you usually do. Um, and so on. There's all of this giant gap. Whereas the person who knows about your brand a little bit already, even if they've never bought is warmed in a way that uh, is going to make it so they can really perceive not only what the value proposition of the product and the brand is, but sort of what makes it a really good offer. And I think that's really important to keep straight um, and something people really underplay with sort of the extend the sale mentality, um, because, because that does tend to rely on how much can I do to get new customers in the door? I don't know, maybe, maybe if you're amazing at sort of like educational flows in a short window so that the person you get into your website on day one ends up converting on day seven of the sale, then fantastic. Like if you have some incredible tactic around that, but I just haven't seen it as much. Uh, what I've seen is that you get really big days for real urgent moments and that you should structure your offer accordingly. Yeah. I, I don't know if you have all... anything to add there, Dave or not, but yeah. 
Actually, actually, I have something to tell you. This, this is the way I think about urgency and offers. I've never told you this before. So if you're waiting for all my secrets before you fire me, this is like probably the last <laughs> one, all right? So I guess I'm gone after this. But anyway, so... Uh, so uh, I'm just thinking I, about how there's something that you've never told me about urgency and an offer yeah. right after we ran such a big offer. Like what in yeah. the world? Don't, don't hold back, man. Okay, so it, it's really simple. It's, it's very stupid. Um, that's why I love it. So I've been doing this for like almost 15 years and... I have found there's basically just four types of, of offers as far as urgency is concerned that I use again and again and again. One, limited quantities. I did this with a modern fuel day one where it was like 50 units at this price. It drives tons of urgency. In this case, that would be extremely dumb. We're trying to sell as many as possible. Why use that as the urgency me- uh, you know, um, mechanic? The second one, 24 hours. Um, I really honestly just don't like four hour, eight hour. I don't like time beyond 24 hours. Like, again, going to 48 hours isn't very productive. 24 hours is the one day um, urgency. The reason is, you know, okay, if I'm Amazon, I can get potentially get away with like this, like uh, truly flash sale. People are like literally smashing refresh on my site on Black Friday. I get it. Um Brands try to be more important than they are in a customer's life, and nobody's going to sit on your site and smash refresh all day. Run the yeah, unless you're dropping new Kanye's or something, right? Like right, 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 right. yeah, whatever you exactly. call it. That yeah. shows you how much of a sneaker ad I am. Right. <laughs> uh, run, yeah, new Kanye's. Um, run, run the sale for 24 hours. That's your high urgency. The third one, three day sale. I, I don't, I don't I ever bother with two day sales. The reason I run three-day sales instead of a one-day sale is if for some reason we decide this is bad for a 24-hour offer, you get the first day of smashing them and telling them it's live. And then you get the third day of a complete day where you're able to say last chance, last chance, last chance. And you can say it a bunch. Um, and it's very productive on both days. Um, so, And then lastly, give up on urgency and run it over some long time period. That's it. Those are my four buckets. That's really helpful. I'm going to, I bet you, yeah, that should be clipped out video here and put on Twitter somewhere. That's a, that's a very tweetable nugget of wisdom there from Dave. Um, yeah, that's really, really good. I haven't thought about it in those terms before. Um, let me come back to something we missed, which is that, um, yeah, the ad thing. So, um, we launched ads and, um, as often as the case on the ad side of something like this, uh, I was expecting that we would make most of our value here on the remarketing side. Um, even this is, a, by the way, a weird thing about Facebook ads now is that because they report revenue on the day that it occurs instead of on the day um, that the person clicked, like my my ad account looked incredible during the sale. And of course, it's because all these people who had come in the door in the last seven days um, and were converting off of email and SMS um, were showing up in their convert um, in their Facebook conversions on the day of the sale. So I could see on Google Analytics that my last click sale revenue was actually not particularly good for uh, my prospecting ads, which just kind of further confirms what I was saying earlier. Like somebody net new to the site, pure, true prospecting, um, they didn't really take the offer that much. Like it just didn't matter to them very, very much. Um, you know, I could see very clearly on, on Google Analytics that my, my sort of last click revenue was about where it always is as a percentage of my spend. Um, 
even though my Facebook ad account looked like, you know, I had like a 16 to one in one campaign or something like that. And it was, it was because it was a bunch of clicks had gotten during the week that had showed up suddenly in this, in this um, one campaign in the attribution model now. So or, or that's actually least, something, go ahead. At least not nearly the same scale as the no, no, no. On repeat side, right? Like I, I actually, yeah. I do believe there's some, like we, we did $20,000 of new customer revenue out of the whole 133 which is which is up considerably for a normal day for us and i do think there are some things here with with new customer but not at the scale that the ad account would lead you to yeah well or the- I, I think the majority of that was people who we do a great job capturing email addresses through a skin quiz and all that kind of stuff so so as people had seen us and gotten nurtured a little bit over the last week in particular and over the last few weeks um we definitely had gotten a lot of that from there and i know you actually did some work on that too that's interesting but um but the um but the basic point just being, yeah, like what Dave said, that we didn't have nearly the scale that like Facebook was showing because of the new attribution model. So that's something to watch out for when you run offers like this. But um, secondly, uh, the thing I'll say here is that we ran ads and I just had ads stuck in review for the, a long part of the day because we had gotten to them fairly late in the process. And it, it's rare that I've seen it. Shout out to David Herman, who's the stuck in review guy on, on Twitter. Um, all of his ads get stuck in review for forever, always. I don't normally have that happen, but these ones did. And so... Um, so my remarketing ads that I was planning on running, uh, I really didn't get very much spend off of them. And I sort of wonder if I had um, been more proactive or even if we had run like a two or three day sale, if I could have really juiced the revenue, if we had found like one or two winning remarketing ads and been able to spend another 20 grand on them or something and get like a two to one, you know, could we have actually built in a bunch more? Now, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. Uh, it, it happens and and so it goes. But um, I would say that was probably one of the things that we missed on the most was was that not happening? And I'll, I'll be the one to own that. Um, you know, I'm pretty happy to settle for a 20 to one MER at $130,000. Like that's, it still feels pretty good. Um, and mistakes are going to happen in every one of these processes, but that's probably something I would do better, um, you know, in, and address differently in the future. Uh, so yeah, so that was the ad side. Um, talk about Dave, the rollout of the email side. We probably should have pulled Jacob in here to talk more about that too. Although, um, whatever, Jacob, hi, hopefully you're listening and you did a great job. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, the, so the rollout, we, because it was a one day sale, I do like hyping that up with our customer base prior. Um, the constant concern with hyping it up prior is like, you don't want to kill revenue leading up to the sale. You don't want it to be a vacuum for days prior. Um, so we were pretty uh, aggressive about the segmenting on the, on the first two hype emails. We sent a hype email. I think the plan was three days prior, but it wound up being two days prior. And then I, I like doing one that is like actually 24 hours beforehand, meaning like, hey, you just got this and this time exactly tomorrow, you'll get you'll get the actual announcement. Um, so I like it kind of conditions them time of day wise as well. Um, so three days and then one day, that was the plan. We cut out everybody who had opted in with the last 14 days um, into email in the last 14 days of the hype emails. Um, we cut out anybody who'd placed an order within, I want to say 14, 20 ish days, something like that for the hype. We're, we're being more aggressive on the exclusions on the hype emails, uh, because, uh, you'll, a large portion of these will still get the sale. We just don't necessarily need to, uh, to warn you in advance. We want to be a little bit more delicate around that. And I would say overall, we were pretty good about that. Andrew, uh, with the hype emails, I don't think I saw any noticeable drop in sales prior to the sale at all. No, actually, one of the things that most surprised me about this is there was very little drop in sales pre-sale and post-sale. Actually, we actually picked up like one of our better days in a while, the day after the sale. I expected sort of a sale hangover effect here where people who were going to buy bought on the day of the sale. But 
um, it did. I mean, we, we, we did really well the next day in a couple different ways. A little bit of that is because I don't typically run these midnight to midnight. Um, like, like a lot of people do with a, with a sale, first of all, because I don't pick up anything at midnight. So like, I will typically run it at some really early point in the morning to another really early point in the morning. So I ran it 6am, uh, Pacific time to 6am Pacific time. The other reason I do that is so that myself or somebody else can be standing by when content and offers change. Um, because I do not want content to go live that promotes a thing that doesn't exist. So it's just being delicate around the offer going live and the offer being taken down. And it's great because I actually did test a few things and tweaked a couple things, uh, literally in the minutes before the sale. And, and, uh, I just don't understand why you don't have the commitment to do that at midnight, two nights in a row, Dave. I mean, that's, that's what I'm yeah. wondering about, you know, why well, couldn't you just stand by and do it then? I know you, that's the second like, reason to fire me. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> you've got my secrets now. Yeah, I know you've got a, you know, like four month old baby or whatever. So I'm sure you're, uh, you're sleeping great as is you're just fully rested all the time. And so just why not take two nights and get a little less sleep, man. Yeah, but that, that so actually ending it at 6 a.m., uh, if you look at the data, we actually got a, a few really early morning uh, orders on Saturday the following day. So it actually helped juice the sales of the second day a little bit. Yeah, even beyond that, though, like there was, you know, even after it was shut off, it, it did better than I expected. So, um, yeah, so that was cool to see. I, you know, I expect a little bit of a lull here for a couple of days, actually even still, and then it should pick back up to kind of our yeah. pace before. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the email key here, and I think this is really important when you're running these offers, is, is really to be focused on your segmentation and to, to know very well who is getting this offer and who is not. Um, so for example, one person you absolutely want to send the offer to no matter when they recently bought is anybody who's been buying off discount. Um, discount purchasers or discount purchasers know that. It's a behavior that matters to people or that, that indicates. And there's people who just even pride themselves on shopping on discount, right? So that's fine get the LTV from those customers as well. Just give them a great offer. Um, but just put them in a different bucket than your other customers and, and do as best you can. There's always going to be some leak on the segmentation here, of course. Um, and what we do for our customer service too, is if, if somebody says, Hey, I bought two days ago and then I saw this sale, we say, that's fine. Give them the offer. Like just treat people the way you'd want to be treated as a baseline way to do it. And people will feel good about your brand and they'll have a great experience actually in the process. So, um, so we generally, um, have that approach where we'll, we'll just go above and beyond to try to, to do that for customers. But, um, but as best as you can to segment these sorts of things out um, as well as possible. We also use this as an opportunity on the hype emails to try to drive some SMS subscriptions. I actually haven't seen if that worked or not, but um, we made a big point of saying, hey, the, make the, the easiest way to make sure you don't miss this is um, from this email, um, subscribe to SMS. And then anybody who was, yeah, so that's awesome. So you build your SMS list more, which is of course always helpful for the future, not only for that moment, but for future moments. Um, and then and then the other thing is for people who were already subscribed to both SMS and email, I just told them, and I've again, I have no idea if this worked, but um, it's it's hard, it's very hard to measure. I just said, hey, if there's a friend who would love Bamboo Earth or this email along, tell them about it because um, there's there's no better time for them to try it out for themselves. And the hope is just to play in to make it easy for a friend to share if they love your product already. Like, hey, this is the time to get in on it with this brand. They make great stuff. I love it. You can get it for cheaper than you usually could, um, and that's a that's a really nice incentive. So. Um, I could totally imagine myself sharing that kind of thing with a friend, um, for, for a brand I loved and, and say, oh man, I love this pair of shorts or these pair of shoes or this, whatever, anything that's kind of a daily use sort of thing like that, which skincare is you'd say to your friends, Hey, I know you guys were looking at this, go for it. So I tried to play into that a little bit. Um, and, uh, and I do think, you know, some of that new customer revenue that we saw was not really from ads as much. It was from whatever other channels that we were getting, you know, email addresses that had never bought before. 
uh, those sorts of things we saw it across the board. So, um, so yeah, so it worked across the board in those, in those ways we saw really effective results. Uh, I mean, like just, we, we predicted, um, on our cash flow forecast, we had, we had put a very conservative and we knew it was conservative 50 grand on the books for the day. We thought that's what we'll do. And I remember in the meeting we were talking and I said, I think 75 and in the back of my head, I thought, I think, I, I actually think we'll get closer to a hundred, but I just, you know, I just, didn't, I just want to say it out loud. I think I, not even because I didn't want to jinx it, but I just like, you know, it just feels weird to say like, well, we've never had a hundred grand before for any brand. Like, I, I don't know. So, but in my back of my mind, I thought like hundred would be a really nice day. Um, and then we just blew through that. So it, it really exceeded our expectations as well and was effective in all these ways. And so now it's this challenge of going back and sort of picking it apart. Dave, you did an awesome uh, Twitter thread. Um, you put together an awesome Twitter thread about um, uh, about some of the other observations you saw relative to the take rate on these different orders and some of those things. Um, so it, uh, but actually, before I tell people where to find you on Twitter and all that kind of stuff, um, any other observations from that that you want to share or about the sale in general or the, uh, the offer in general? Well, uh, just real quick for the listeners, like the the emails on on day of we sent the email uh, early announcing it. I want to say like 8 a.m. Uh, actually didn't do that local time. I do it like actually fixed time because it's when the yeah, everybody got that email at the exact same time. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we had a reminder uh, at 8 p.m. local. Uh, I'd love four hours left in the sales. The magic spot for me. Um, it's long enough that the email is long enough out there that if you don't see it right away, you still got a little bit of time. It's super, super high urgency. Um, so we sent another one at 8 PM. Um, the only exclusions there were, we did exclude subscribers, product subscribers. So like you're, you have a recharge subscription for HCC, uh, uh, intense hydration cactus concentrate. Uh, we don't really want you getting this, pausing your subscription kind of thing. Um, so we, we excluded product subscribers and anybody who purchased within seven days and your order was still in transit, like not marked as complete. Jacob has an app he uses Wonderment. Um, otherwise, we were happy to give it to you and people repeat pretty quick. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we push that out there. We did also send an SMS in the morning, uh, 15 minutes before the email, because uh, we told them we'd tell them first. And we sent another one in the evening the evening SMS had more aggressive exclusions. So if I'd seen that you'd engaged and acknowledged with the sale at all, clicked on the SMS, been on site, did anything that acknowledges, you know, this sale is live. I excluded you from the second send just to be a little bit more um, really uh, respectful of your, of your inbox. So to speak. yeah, protective of the SMS and subscribes and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, 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 the takeaway here is just that, um, the, you, you sort of get the offer, right. You, you pump it up. And if you have a good product and a good brand that people love, uh, there's a long way you can go and exceed your expectations in a lot of ways. Um, you're not going to win like this every time. I think the other, um, the other big takeaway here is, and I think this is really important. It's just know what you're targeting in an offer and know who you're targeting, know what you're trying to accomplish and then build it to accomplish that one thing. So we were not trying to run a big mega blowout super sale because um, in the grand scheme of things, whatever, you know, cash flow issues happen from misprojections and all of that, we weren't looking at it and going like, oh my gosh, we have to put 500 grand in our bank account tomorrow. Like it was like, okay, let's try to make sure not to derail the longer term at the same time as we have a big moment in the shorter term. And um, so far from what I'm seeing on both sides of the sale with our sales uh, or both sides of the offer, 
in terms of our daily sales, it, it looks like we did that. Like it looks like everything is moving along and it's going to be really interesting to go evaluate the cohorts from there. I'm okay. Like it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if the net LTV um, ends up raising over a longer time period, as much as I think it probably did here. Um, you know, I, you never know or if this is just going to like move revenue forward or whatever, uh, if it, you know, cannibalize sort of future revenue, if it did, I'm fine with that, by the way, that's, I'm happy to get cash now rather than later. If, um, if you need cash now and not later. Um, and, and that's part of the reality of just working through challenges like this, but the, um, but it was just very clear to us from when we built the sale that like, man, if we get some new customer revenue out of this, that is fantastic. But I just know that, um, that, you know, the main, main thing we are trying to do here is, um, really capitalize on the LTV that's inherent to the brand, get new products in customers' hands, um, generate some cash, generate some margin, and um, and go from there. So um, in that respect, it was a really, really big win. It was really fun as a team to get excited about that and see all of that stuff go through. Yeah. And and the last thing I would, I would add to this is uh, you asked me a little bit about the, the thread I had on Twitter, which is basically like looking at the day and how would we take this one-time win and try to try to apply the learnings to our ongoing offers, our ongoing evergreen um, uh, marketing campaigns. So after the sale, I was really pumped that the new customer revenue got as big of a bump as it did. So we, like I said, we were at $20,000 in new customer revenue. That's probably like four to five X what we've been, you know, somewhere in that range, four to five X what we've been over the last like, you know, 30 days or so in terms of new customer revenue. Um, so it was a really good bump to the to the revenue. I did some quick analysis to say like, what customers did this bring in um and you know how many days prior did you sign up for our email list because that's the best way i actually have like a a time stamp of like when you first interacted with us and then and then now when you purchased um over 50 percent of the new customers that took the offer signed up for our email list on the same day meaning like probably the actual purchase is what subscribed them to our email list. So like zero days. So this day it per persuaded them. So that's what I was talking about a little bit earlier in the podcast, Andrew. Like there's definitely some evidence that day of it persuaded you. It's just like we have such big numbers happening on this day um, that I think it gets drowned out a little bit. But that's really interesting to me because even though, again, we did this $130,000 and it's only 50%. So we're only talking about $10,000 out of the 130. Yes, but if we can go use that offer to go get another 20% ROAS out of some of our campaigns on an evergreen basis over the next 365 days, that could literally be worth a million dollars, $2 million. Like that, that one change, even though to, you know, on, on that Friday was a small piece of the pie, uh, in the overall scheme of things, that may be the most important thing we do, you know, uh, longer term for the brand. So that that's one is like is let's go take this offer and go see if it does work in and duplicate a couple campaigns see if it does work re, try to recreate the the experience a bit try to figure out maybe some other urgency mechanic because we can't do the 24 hour thing because it's going to be running in an, you know an evergreen kind of ad set so we'll have to figure out something there so that's one that's application number one and then application number two was again looking at those times that people opted in. I didn't really see them opting in like a huge cluster, like the day before, or two days before, or even the first week. Um, it was pretty clear that that pe the people that opted in all the way, you know, I ran it year to date, all the way from January, February, were still coming in and purchasing their first order. 
they've been on our list for freaking five months and they they just placed their first order so what that says to me is like there's no just ideal spot in a flow where you go oh after a seven day delay now give them the offer and now it's going to crush um you know go ahead and drop that in a flow where they haven't purchased in seven days and it's going to go crush there's no ideal spot i can't pick a spot on the on a on a customer's life cycle relative to them which is kind of great actually because it's a lot harder to send a one-off offer to one person, make the offer dynamic, make the experience dynamic, make it 24 hours, high sense of urgency, et cetera, et cetera. So instead, what I'm going to do is the next time I'm going to test this is run it to a very specific segment. Okay, you've opted in the last three months. Let's go ahead and, and go blast this thing to you. I can carve out a portion of the site, make this site Maybe dynamic based on like you came from our email list, you came from this campaign, therefore this just do no pop up is firing. Um, so I could do some things like that, but it's not by customer. So it's a lot easier for me to make that immersive site experience that replicates what we just did. And the other thing I'm going to do is drop a tag on their profile in Clavio. So the third time I do this, I will be able to say to Andrew, Andrew, I'm going to lock anybody out who's seen this within the last 90 days. So there's a 0% chance that you could have seen this offer within 90 days and now you're seeing it again or 120, whatever we decide, X number of days, whatever we decide. So that way I'm building these walls that make it like really brand safe. But maybe, maybe we do run this again site-wide and this is somewhat moot. You know, maybe we were on this Black Friday, who knows? But if it's not, I now have the mechanics that I can go recreate the success on the new customer side only in a highly segmented way and hit it on a, on a relatively ongoing cadence. This can be an ongoing win for us. It's the way we clean up loose leads, so to speak, and pull in a bunch of new customer revenue, get a bunch of people in the door, but it's a highly brand safe way to do it. Um, so those were kind of like two of the more ongoing thoughts I had after it. Yeah, it's so good. I, I think, I mean, one of the realities is that like the biggest way to move the needle in your Facebook account is with offers. And the better you can get with the offer, more than creative, more than copy, more than anything else, the offer is the number one driver. And I can illustrate that point for you really fast. If I gave you 90% off my product, or if I gave it to you for free, let's say, um, it would change your behavior a lot, um, especially if you knew my brand at all. Now, again, there's all the caveats applying about how much does it, does, is it true prospecting, true net new customers, all those kinds of things. And of course, if I gave you 90% off, you would think a certain thing about my brand, right? Um, but the point is it would really change your behavior relative to the price, relative to the bundle. Or if I run it and say like the only way to buy this product is to buy three of it at once and each thing costs $3,000, it's going to change your behavior. Um, so at the extremes, you illustrate the point, which is that offers make a huge difference. And the point that Dave, I think, um, is making here that I think is really helpful is to say, how can I take the learning from this moment relative to new customers and then turn that into a consistent and reworkable offer um, mechanism for um, doing this for new customers in the past without all of these past customers seeing a new gift of purchase offer every month or whatever it is, including those customers. If they pass on it one time, then go from there because we did see it work for those customers. And maybe now there's a way to build this ad approach so that those customers who come in the door and who just they just don't buy in the first two weeks or whatever and you don't want to leave them on the table you can go and say here's an offer here's a discount people really underrate this again about discounting they they forget that one of the things to do to use it for is um for a segment of your customers who are just not going to buy at full price go get those customers also um and and give them an offer and uh and this is a really smart way to build it so all right thank you dave thanks for taking the time today um i appreciate it this is a really really fun really good moment um 
And uh, yeah, we'll give people kind of where to follow you uh, in just a second after the break. So there you have it. I, you know, it's so funny to me to think through what happened with this. Two weeks ago, I released an episode titled On Losing Streaks. It was all about how we could not buy a win. And then, and then just a couple weeks later, here I am releasing an episode about our highest revenue day for any brand ever, be any Black Friday we've ever done, anything like that. Um, what that illustrates, I think, is the insane volatility of a lot of e-commerce B2C entrepreneurship at the kind of level that I think most of us are probably existing at. It, just don't know what's around the corner uh, on the bad, on the good. And uh, and that's why I think the concept of a losing streak is really helpful. Um, for most teams, a losing streak doesn't go on for forever. And um, and there are wins that happen and they break that up. And this is a really big one. So uh, we're excited about it. As always, we want to share both. We want to share when we lose. We want to share what happened and what went wrong. We want to share what happened and what went right when we win. And that way you can hopefully learn from both. So Dave, uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, where do the people find you on Twitter? You can find me on the twitter.com. Uh, D R E K U C Recook. Dave Recooch. Is that how you say that? Uh, Recook like a microwave. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a kid. I know how to say your name. Uh, at Dave Recook. R E K U C. Um, we'll uh, make sure we get that link in the show notes as well. You can check out that thread. Um, maybe we'll just link straight to that thread where you broke down some of the data there. Um, uh, as I as my retweet of that thread said, take the time to understand what he's saying there. There's a lot of details in it. Take the time to understand it. It will help you. Um, you can find me at Andrew J. Ferris on Twitter. I appreciate you listening as always. And, uh, and of course, you can also reach out as some of you have recently in ways that I've really appreciated at podcast4x400.com. Um, would love uh, any comments, any thoughts, any criticism, any of it, any questions you have that we could answer on a future show. Any of that kind of stuff would be great. And of course, all the usual rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, all that stuff. We really appreciate it. If this has been useful to you, that is my one ask for you back is that you would um, uh, do one of those things. Any of them really works. Uh, uh, hopefully that would be some help to you. Uh, until then, we will see you next week. I hope things are going very well for you, very well for your business. Thanks for listening.